crackdown in the U.S. Capitol. I joined the Senate Democratic leader in calling on the vice president to remove this president by immediately invoking the 25th Amendment. The fallout from the attack on democracy and how it could end Donald Trump's presidency. COVID restrictions extended. We know what we need to do to bend that curve back down. As infections rise again, a new way to get the information out faster. And the bizarre crime on a B.C. highway that ended up leaving three people dead. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We start with the fallout from yesterday's unprecedented attack on the U.S. Capitol and the man many blame for inciting the violence. With his administration now rocked by resignations and defections, Donald Trump's opponents are trying to get him removed from office before Inauguration Day. Ted Chernecki has the latest. It is about a quarter to one this morning Pacific time when lawmakers conclude their count. The vice president and the United States Senate. Biden and Harris win with 360 electoral college votes to Trump's 232. And it's Vice President Pence who drives the final nail in Trump's electoral coffin. The chair declares the joint session dissolved. Through the night, more than 80 people are arrested, most for breaking the city's sudden curfew from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. President-elect Biden says this. Don't dare call them protesters. They were a riotous mob, insurrectionists, domestic terrorists. It's that basic, it's that simple. We now know at least four people died in yesterday's protest inside the Capitol buildings. 35-year-old Ashley Babbitt from Huntington, Maryland, was shot in the neck by police as she tried to climb through a broken window. One 34-year-old female and two males aged 50 and 55 succumbed to what police describe as medical emergencies. At least 14 Metropolitan Police officers are injured. Dozens of Democrats and a few Republicans are publicly calling for the use of the 25th Amendment to remove Trump from office. A very dangerous person who should not continue in office. But that's unlikely given that a majority of cabinet members would have to agree. Then there's the question of culpability after Trump appeared to incite what turned out to be a deadly riot. We will never give up. We will never concede. It doesn't happen. You don't concede when there's theft involved. Former Attorney General Bill Barr saying orchestrating a mob to pressure Congress is inexcusable. The president's conduct yesterday was a betrayal of his office. Pull them this way! It is a full 12 hours from the time the mob storms the Capitol to when police send notice to all staffers on Capitol Hill that the threat is clear. Trump, who is noticeably quiet throughout the riot, today tweets a condemnation of the rioters, saying he immediately called the National Guard. And for the first time, he acknowledges Biden's victory. A new administration will be inaugurated on January 20th. My focus now turns to ensuring a smooth, orderly and seamless transition of power. This moment calls for healing and reconciliation. And late this afternoon, a spokesperson for Capitol Police says Police Chief Stephen Sund is resigning effective January 16th. He's just the latest in a series of resignations announced so far. Ted Chernecki, Global News. Well, B.C. is extending its COVID-19 health orders that include a ban on social gatherings into February. And we'll have more on that after a check of the latest numbers from today. We have 761 new cases 
bringing our total to just over 56,000. We've had eight more deaths, so B.C. has now lost 970 people to complications from the virus. 372 people are in hospital. 74 of those patients are in the ICU. 47,374 are considered recovered, leaving us with 6,349 active cases and just over 8,800 people in self-isolation. And while we were all hoping to be able to meet up again soon with friends and family, the ongoing increase in COVID case numbers means at least another month of isolation. BC's COVID curve is now trending up again following the holidays, and Dr. Bonnie Henry is extending the current restrictions for another month at least. Richard Zisman reports. Restrictions extended. Our curve is trending upward. Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry announcing the existing public health orders are going to continue until February 5th. The reason? Too many people are breaking the rules. 10,000 people, a few people in every town, every village or city in our province makes these small concessions for themselves. That increases all of our risk exponentially. The extension includes a province-wide ban on social gathering, meaning no non-essential visits to other people's homes. The ban on events continue, along with restrictions on youth sports games, ban on adult sports, and a ban on eating at restaurants with anyone outside your household or household bubble for a single person. We are in this um, period of greatest risk and greatest potential benefit, and we need to have the room to provide vaccine. The extension means that religious gatherings are also restricted until February 5th, and the province continues to work with faith leaders to ensure there are options for British Columbians to celebrate their spirituality. And I in particular understand your sacrifice, the sacrifice of losing the opportunity to come together so fundamental to faith communities of all kinds. The restrictions continue to have a disproportionate impact on some sectors, including tourism, sports and arts and culture. We need to focus on those essential work on our health care system, on children being in schools and everything else. We need to continue to take those precautions. The province acknowledging the orders are contributing to the mental health struggles of many. But following the rules will lead to a quicker easing of restrictions. It's a time for each of us to commit to our own individual heroism, young and old. And I know we can do this. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. Keith Baldry joins us now live from Victoria. Keith, today's developments also included a, a change, a slight tweak in the way COVID-19 data will be gathered and then shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people are fascinated with the daily COVID number. I get asked all the time, what's the number today? Uh, so the means of actually accumulating the information is going to change a bit, a little more streamlined, going directly from the lab to a database. database. And we're going to get that number potentially earlier than we get it now. And the time frame is changing, too. It has been from 10 a.m. to 10 a.m. Now it's going to be midnight to midnight. So, again, more of a streamlined process to allow the, the uh, health authorities not to be so much involved in the collection of this data. Uh, Dr. Bonnie Henry today also providing an update on uh, the UK variant, the strain, of course, which is even more contagious than COVID-19. One case was found to be on Vancouver Island as someone who came, uh, who traveled from the United Kingdom today. An update, two more people. 
that person has remained in isolation. However, we have now uh, two additional cases, both uh, household contacts of the first case. There are no other contacts, and we do not believe that anybody else has, uh, is at risk of, of this variant. And I will also say that we have been continuing to do uh, surveillance and testing of, uh, of um, isolates from people who have traveled and also a selection of people from around the province on an ongoing basis. So we have not yet found any other cases in BC. Now, again, back to the daily COVID case number. Another reason why, the more evidence why the health orders was extended today. Uh, the number since Christmas in terms of a daily case number, seven-day average, keeps going up. It's now at its highest uh, number, 575, since December 2nd, when it was just uh, uh, shy of 600. That's the reason the health order is extended. I'll leave you with some uh, update on the vaccination. People wanted to know how many people are vaccinated. As of today, 41,064. The number, of course, will keep going up. But it's going to be a small increase at the beginning the big numbers won't start piling up until we get way more doses of the vaccine than we get right now. Can't come soon enough. All right, thanks very much, Keith. Well, long-term care homes are by far the hardest hit in BC's pandemic, and criticism has been growing over what's seen as a failure of communication when it comes to outbreaks and deaths at individual facilities. John Hua has more on why the information is so important and what officials plan to do about it. It is a devastating breakdown that shows how COVID-19 has been unrelenting and deadly in its continued attack on one of the most vulnerable populations in BC. The losses uh, have been um, terrible for families and for friends and for caregivers and for everyone in long-term care. The province will now provide detailed weekly updates for every long-term care, assisted and independent living facility facing a COVID-19 outbreak, including the number of residents and staff infected, as well as those who have lost their lives. They're worried about their family, their loved one, their community, their care home, and so am I. Many of the places hardest hit already revealed, thanks to worried families who spoke out, believing the public needed to know the severity of the situation. Latest numbers show Little Mountain Place in Vancouver with 169 accumulative cases and 41 deaths. Tabor Home in Abbotsford with 156 cases and 26 deaths. And Capilano Care Centre in West Vancouver with 140 cases and 24 deaths. The worst ongoing outbreaks in this province. If we know that, that, that uh, outbreaks are going on around us, uh, more staff are going to want to get the vaccine, and that, that, of course, would be a good thing. More information may not have been enough at Little Mountain Place. According to reports, staff might have downplayed symptoms, worried about a lack of resources for residents if they called in sick. We have a culture of presenteeism in healthcare, and especially in care homes. BC care providers are stating more can still be done, like regular rapid testing and including home health and acute care in the existing single-site order. There are big holes in our response to protect those in long-term care and assisted living. Until then, these new weekly numbers will continue to represent loved ones fighting for their lives or families left to grieve as COVID-19 continues to wreak havoc on those most at risk. John Hua, Global News. It's a chilling crime on a B.C. highway and the frantic search for a suspect who left two people dead. 
How it all ended next on the News Hour. The security double standard on full display at the U.S. Capitol yesterday and why some say it's proof of systemic racism in law enforcement. Coming up. And a wrong way driver on one of the nation's busiest highways. What happened when police finally caught up with him? That's later. Right now, though, police in southeastern B.C. are dealing with a double murder. A man and a woman found stabbed to death last night at a highway pullout just outside of Creston. That soon led to another grisly discovery, this time in the village of Selmo. Aaron MacArthur has the details. A motel in Selmo surrounded by yellow tape. Investigators trying to piece together a crime that spans two communities and has left three people dead. Wednesday night at a pullout near the Summit Creek Bridge on Highway 3 west of Creston, paramedics found two people suffering stab wounds. Both were alive, but a 40-year-old man from Calgary was in grave condition. Despite the efforts of paramedics, he died at the scene. A 25-year-old woman from the West Kootenays was rushed to hospital, but her injuries proved too severe. She died a short time later. Suspect, uh, alleged suspect, left in a truck, uh, since located in Salmo. Once the truck was discovered in the Salmo area, police began an intensive search for the suspect. A short time later, a man was found dead near the Salmo Motel. RCMP now say he was the only suspect in the Creston deaths. Police were called in Salmo this morning um, for an individual that appeared to be passed out beside uh, an electrical um, building. He was clearly deceased, so had been there for some time. Uh, the investigation at this point is going to be uh, to determine how he died. The BC Coroner Service has been called in, and the major crimes unit from Kelowna has taken charge of the investigation in the Kootenays. We do believe that they were known to each other, and there was no risk to the general public when the incident occurred. It was targeted. With all three people in this incident dead and no further risk to the public, investigators will now focus on tying up loose ends. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. Vancouver police are appealing for witnesses to a stabbing on the downtown east side. It happened just after 2 o'clock Tuesday morning in front of the Astoria Hotel. Two men were seen fighting on video here when one of them stabbed the other, then walked away. The 47-year-old victim was taken to hospital and is expected to survive. The suspect walked away west on Hastings Street. The suspect is around 5 foot 10 and has a thin build. He was wearing a black rain jacket, black sweatpants, and a gray baseball cap. Up next, the death of a gangster. What we know about a 24-year-old man who died of violent death and why he likely won't be the last. And the life-changing event that helped this guy lose 100 pounds. Delays for eastbound traffic here on Highway 1 in Coquitlam. There is a, what's left of a two-car crash here just after the brunette on-ramp in the right lane. Kermat Collision and Autoglass have been family-run and locally owned since 1973. For unmatched quality repairs and exceptional service, choose Kermac. For location information, visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global 1, high above Highway 1 and brunette in Coquitlam. Learning more about the 24-year-old man gunned down in his family home in South Surrey yesterday morning. Gary Kang was a well-known gangster who'd been targeted before. And now police are warning there could be retaliation for the killing. Ramina Dea has the latest. Gangster Gary Kang dodged death once before. 
but the bullets ultimately found him Wednesday morning. Police now preparing for war. There is a potential for further retribution among those connected to these violent criminal enterprises. If you are involved in gangs in the Lower Mainland, you may be in danger. 24-year-old Kang shot at 5 a.m. in his Morgan Heights home in Surrey with his family inside. This, we believe, is linked to the ongoing Lower Mainland gang conflict. 40 minutes after the killing, a charred vehicle is discovered in Langley. Kang's murder, the third targeted hit in Surrey in less than two weeks. We want to ensure members of this community that we are aligned in our concern for public safety and that we've implemented an action plan. The size and deployment of the Surrey gang enforcement team increasing, say the Mounties, adding that curfew checks and vehicle interdictions are being ramped up. We're going to be uh, dedicating uh, a lot of resources at CFSCU to making sure that those individuals who we know are the greatest risk to public safety in British Columbia, uh, that we're keeping tabs on them. Kang survived an attempt on his life in 2017 when his 27-year-old brother Randy was killed. A year later, the gangster, one of 14 people charged in a Vancouver police-led investigation, 93 firearms seized, plus a pressure cooker bomb and 10 kilograms of fentanyl. Kang out on bail when he was murdered Wednesday. According to reports, he struck a secret plea deal last month and was awaiting sentencing. Romina Dea, Global News. It's been seven months since Kiran Sadu was sprayed with a hose by the Delta Police Chief's wife, Lorraine Dubord. That resulted in Dubord receiving alternative measures and no criminal charges. Well, now there's a new development in the investigation by the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner into how the case was handled. It's now being extended. In a letter to Sidhu, the OPCC says outstanding steps include obtaining communications, documentation, and reports from the Delta Police Department, Delta Police Board, the Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit, and the RCMP. I was told that it's been extended for 45 days and I think it's most likely, I think it's a good sign. I do want um, the investigation to be thorough and to be completed to the best of the abilities of the VPD. And I think it's a good sign that they want to be thorough and tie up loose ends. The OPCC report is expected in March. Prices at the pump are rebounding to levels we haven't seen in months. Depending on where you are in Metro Vancouver, a liter of regular gasoline is now selling for between $1.28 and $1.35.9. We haven't seen this price point since early April when pandemic measures reduced demand for gas. Analysts say the increase signifies a return to normal and motorists should brace for higher costs. Yeah, I think we've seen perhaps the end of this uh, spurt in prices, you know, we've seen them going up about seven or eight cents a liter, much of it due to the enthusiasm that there will be, and there is light at the end of the tunnel. Vaccinations are starting to take place. Uh, although there are still a lot of lockdowns and concern about the, the reach of the pandemic, the days of demand and destruction are over. Despite the increase, prices at the pump are still about 10 cents less than they were a year ago today. Just ahead, solving a COVID communication breakdown. A lot of Indigenous communities didn't have access to clean water. A Harvard medical student teams up with one here in B.C., making sure COVID guidelines 
don't get lost in translation. And Dad Bod, the inspiration that helped this man change his life and lose more than 100 pounds. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business. Good evening. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Alex Fraser Bridge, but do keep in mind overnight maintenance has lane closures in both directions between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Save on foods and save on time. Shop online, then swing by for quick, safe, and free curbside pickup. Super savings online now at saveonfoods.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Alex Fraser Bridge. He's done something. Yep, they got him right here. A dramatic scene on the 401 in Ontario, the OPP receiving multiple 911 calls about a driver going the wrong way on the highway and at a high rate of speed. Police eventually caught up with the vehicle and say it was going 150 kilometers an hour in a 100 zone. Thankfully, there were no injuries or damage to other vehicles. The driver now facing charges in addition to his license being suspended. The vehicle was also impounded for a week. Civil rights leaders are calling out the police response to the riot at the U.S. Capitol. They say the extreme restraint shown by officers towards the raging pro-Trump mob compared to the response to Black Lives Matter protests reveals a dangerous double standard. When the rioters rampaged through the Capitol, communities of color couldn't help but notice something. Suppose this had been a Black Lives Matter rally. Suppose this had been people of color uh, storming the Capitol. A large crowd of white demonstrators breaking into the hallowed halls of Congress. A stark contrast to the heavy militarized police response to the unrest after the deaths of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. When Kentucky State Representative Attica Scott was arrested herself. To see uh, in D.C. that white mobs were able to take over the Capitol building and then to have this slow response from law enforcement. I mean, that was extremely disturbing. During the George Floyd protest, President Trump tweeted, when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Yesterday. Go home. We love you. You're very special. This video of an officer posing for a selfie is also fueling hey, anger. Hey, no one can tell me that if had been a group of Black Lives Matter protesting yesterday, there wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have been treated very, very differently. We would have been met with tremendous force. Wayne Carmaiden is a former member of D.C.'s National Guard. It just shows that people are more privileged than other people, colored people. It's as simple as that. Today, Michelle Obama described the difference in law enforcement responses as painful. A tiny home stolen from the Boston Bar area in late December has been recovered. RCMP say the 8 by 17 foot structure along with thousands of dollars of seasonal items was taken from a property home near our property rather near the Trans-Canada Highway on December 28th. Within just a few days, police were able to track down a suspect who was allegedly trying to sell the tiny home to the Lillooet area. The 48 year old man was arrested and released and charges are now being reviewed. A UBC med student has taken on a massive task, making sure Indigenous people around the world are kept up to date on the COVID-19 pandemic. As Linda Aylesworth reports, he's teamed up with another student he met online to get critical information to people in dozens of countries in their own languages. 
There's been a lot of information to take in since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic and a lot of changes to adapt to. One of the main things that people have had to adapt to is uh, masks. The second thing has to be about social distancing and the last thing about hand hygiene. But what if you were an Indigenous person who wasn't privy to that information because it wasn't available in your native language? A lot of the times, marginalized populations are left behind. And I think COVID-19 is a perfect example to exemplify that, where Indigenous communities across the world are disproportionately being affected by COVID-19. Sukmeet Satchel, a second-year University of BC medical student, wasn't the only one who was concerned. So was Victor Carmen, a Harvard student on the other side of the continent. As an Indigenous medical student, I felt like I was in a position where I could do some good. It was on Facebook that the two found each other and combined forces with a few other like-minded students to make a difference. And so one of the things we came up with was Translations for Our Nations, where we provide information about COVID-19 in Indigenous languages. They went about recruiting over 100 Indigenous-speaking people in 40 countries to translate fact sheets, then created a website that made it all available free of charge. When we go to translations, um, these are all the different Indigenous languages that we have. Among the many languages they've translated, Samburu in northern Kenya. One of them for COVID-19 information for Indigenous children and youth. And it's something like this, which is very visual. The team was thrilled to get this photo of the Semburu children looking at the material for the first time. Everyone there was so receptive and uh, they really appreciated the efforts that were being taken. The project has been such a success that Victor and Sukmeet hope to roll out information on the COVID-19 vaccine next and perhaps even meet one day. We talk all the time about what we can do together to really make a difference in this world. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. In Health Matters tonight, many of us have put on weight during the pandemic and studies show 95% of people who lose a significant amount gain it all back. But one Edmonton man lost 100 pounds and he's kept it off. He targeted the root cause with his engineering knowledge. Andrew Liu knows trying to lose weight can be a slippery slope. I tried those you know, occasional diets, eating a little bit different, but food is delicious. I love, I love eating. At 250 pounds, Andrew had given up on his health, even when he was diagnosed with dangerously high blood pressure. The doctor was, was scrambling um, and saying, you know, you've got to get an x-ray right now because you might have um, you know, a heart attack like right away. But it wasn't until he saw this photo five years ago with his new baby boy that he wanted to change. My life's not going to be that long looking at this photo. I have to do something about this. And if I don't, then I'm not going to be around to see my son grow up. The engineering physicist knew weight loss was math, calories in minus calories out. But he saw his issue as a broken feedback loop, eating more than his body needed. I realized that if I could somehow repair this feedback loop, then I could lose weight. He came up with a method and eventually left his job to design an app. Lose helps users track their daily weight, spot trends, and get feedback on what they did that day that worked or didn't work. Whether or not, you know, 
I ate because of my mood or I you know, ate a specific food that caused me to overeat. Workouts were five minutes a day at first, then exercise became fun. Slowly, over three years, Andrew lost 100 pounds. One of the biggest things that happens when a person goes on that journey is they, they give up too early. He says he never had enough energy with one child, now he has more than ever with two. <laughs> the 36-year-old hopes his story can inspire others to take control of their health. I'm an example of how it's possible. And if you can do it, the rewards are huge. Hmm. Good for him. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people packing around the COVID-15 right now for sure. All right, coming up, the story behind a new TikTok phenomenon. <laughs> and a new tradition takes off thanks to an emerging Canadian superstar. And in sports, the search for a clear number one in net. Why it's a good problem for Coach Travis Green. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, you've likely noticed it and maybe even talked about it. The mild weather conditions we've been experiencing mm -hmm. so far this winter. Yeah, it is slightly warmer than average for this time of year. And that is not going unnoticed in the Okanagan. And while some people love it, for others, it could pose a real challenge. From outdoor sports to promenade walks, many Okanagan residents and even animals are taking advantage of this unusually warm winter weather. It's kind of good and, and bad both, but uh, I kind of dig it, actually. I, li I like the, the warmer weather. According to Global Okanagan meteorologist Peter Quinlan, the Kelowna area experienced the ninth warmest December on record. It's been incredibly mild through the entire Okanagan. We're seeing temperatures one to two degrees above average, and when you're averaging out an entire month of data, that is fairly significant. Quinlan says the warm air is thanks to ridges of high pressure continuously pushing through the region. We haven't really seen a big uh, Arctic surge, which we typically get at this time of year, dropping temperatures below freezing for an extended period of time. But some are anxiously awaiting for exactly that, those freezing temperatures. Among them, the winemaker at Summerhill Pyramid Winery. So this is our 2017 Pinot Blanc ice wine. Temperatures of at least minus eight are needed to harvest grapes for ice wine. How closely are you watching the weather right now? Uh, I check it about a hundred times a day. While he's not pressing the panic button just yet, he is hoping to be pressing frozen grapes when a cold snap finally arrives. Every year it's a gamble. We came really close on Christmas Eve, uh, but didn't quite hit it. Things didn't freeze how we wanted to. Um, and so it's just, it's delayed the harvest. While we may be experiencing mild temperatures, it's been wetter than normal with an above average amount of precipitation for the month of December in many parts of the Okanagan. It is due to a weather pattern we see every few years called La Nina. La Nina is cooler waters in the eastern Pacific off the coast of Peru, and it has implications around the world. Uh, typically, a La Nina set up for uh, the interior of BC means a wetter than normal uh, winter season. The mild weather is expected to stick around for another couple of weeks, some seeing it as a silver lining to the toll that COVID-19 is taking on all of us. I think it's important for everyone's mental health right now to be outside and enjoy the weather. Claudia Van Emmer, Global News, Kelowna. Just right about that. 
-hmm. No doubt. Not exactly water skiing weather, but, you know, mild. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, let's check in with Christy right now and see what's coming up in the forecast here. Yeah, so typically a La Nina year, by the way, for our region means a colder and wetter uh, a winter season. Um, and from these numbers here, because these are some of the rankings for our region as well, it has been milder, but it certainly has meant a lot of snow on the mountains, which is very typical for a La Nina year. And keep in mind, there's other factors. It's not just La Nina that we watch when it comes to our winter uh, weather. One thing for sure is La Nina was in full force in terms of the moisture. Yes, it has been very wet. And here's the rankings in terms of that wet weather. Uh, and that's the case right across the province. Overall, we're seeing a wetter, milder uh, season. And one of the reasons for that is we tend to get those Arctic outbreaks, and we haven't seen much of that this year. We had one early in the season, but overall, we haven't had a lot of those Arctic outbreaks. Now, we have had a lot of Pacific systems from the west, and that's the reason for all the snow. We've got another one on the way. So wind warnings for the north and central coast, northern Vancouver Island, 90 to 100 kilometer an hour winds, and strong outflow winds for the House Sound region but those will die down for you overnight as this front moves inland. Now, Vancouver Island, you'll see the rain ease off tomorrow morning. Metro Vancouver, we will see the rain tomorrow morning, but it will ease off by the afternoon hours. And I'm actually hoping for a bit of blue sky before we round out the day tomorrow, right before sunset. Flurries, though, extending in through the Okanagan Valley, certainly along the mountain passes. And Whistler, you'll likely wake up to snow in the morning and it will change over to rain. So there's that blip of rainfall, but then it drops down after that. So Friday afternoon, right through Saturday looking really nice everyone lots to look forward to in the meantime there's your Friday forecast northeastern sections lots of blue sky a fair amount of clouding through the central interior these areas here you can see that uh, snowfall for the Kelowna Suyus area but changing over showers in the afternoon as things warm up a little bit so mainly rain in the morning sunshine by the afternoon everyone and more sunshine on Saturday Sundays when we do have a chance of showers once again but a pretty nice stretch we just have to get through tomorrow that's for sure and I want to show you this quickly this is our uh, weather, our central windows weather window. It looks like a UFO, but it's not. It's in Kamloops. It's called a lenticular cloud, and it happens when you get uh, an air mass being pushed up and over a mountain. It actually creates a wave. It dips down and then back up and creates this very stationary, cool-looking cloud like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Definitely looks like a UFO. Yeah. <laughs> They're coming to say hi. Just check in on us. <laughs> right. It's all, right. all going to be fine. They want to see what's going on in sports. Is that what they want? Yeah. This is why they've traveled millions of light years. <laughs> yeah. See what's happening to see with you. the Canucks. Exactly. How we get through a, a hockey um, COVID bubble. Well, uh, so far so good with that. Uh, we're going to show you some of the best goals from the uh, Canucks scrimmage last night. Like this one from Quinn Hughes. Penalty shot. Oh, I said scrimmage. I missed a C there. He didn't miss, but I Oh. Did. Oh, well. Squire. Also tonight, China Nova, TikTok's newest singing sensation, along with her mom, and how her viral posts have purpose. You liked my you gift? Swapping ties, or at least. I got this tie from Squire Barnes. He has excellent taste. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. The reason I gave it away is it's too wide. On you, it looks great. On me, it looks like a pink lobster bib. Lobster bib. It's also yeah. very long. I notice. Even well, that's also a problem. Yeah. That's, that is also an issue for the likes of me. This conversation is lost on me. Apparently, I can't spell scrimmage, and I can't buy ties that fit me. Uh, Travis Green gave the uh, Canucks a day off today because they worked last night. They held a scrimmage game where they split the team in half. 
Uh, they had white sweaters against blue sweaters, but there were some nice goals in this game we wanted to show you, even though the game doesn't count for anything. Let's check them out. First of all, are they talking contract? Francesco Aquilini and Travis Green. Green was in the stands, and we showed you this before the break, but one more time, Quinn Hughes, that is a nice move on Braden Holtby. Maybe they should use Quinn Hughes in the shootouts this year. Tucked it in perfectly. Another nice goal was this one. The big line, the lotto line, does the passing here. It's Pedersen, and it's a one-timer from JT. Another look. This time Thatcher Demko is the victim. And then we had Antoine Roussel on yesterday talking about how games this year could be a bit rougher because they're going to play teams so much. Well, Roussel has hands still. A little backhand pass to Nils Hoaglander. He can do things with the gloves on too, Antoine Roussel. That was nice. The Whites won at 6-4. Okay, as we uh, know, Jacob Markstrom is now wearing a flaming C on his chest. But his old backup, Thatcher Demko, is not quite in a position yet where he can say, I'm number one in Vancouver. This year, with 56 games jammed in the four months, and a former Vezina Trophy winner alongside him in Braden Holtby, uh, Demko and Holtby will basically be in a situation where there won't really be a true number one goalie. It'll be more of a rotation, basically two number ones. Another terrific stop by Demko. Nice pass. Holtby with an incredible stop. Braden Holtby and Thatcher Demko are both capable of stealing goals and games in the NHL. And both will get ample opportunity in this 56-game condensed regular season. Demko is getting his first real shot at being a number one goalie, while Holtby is trying to get back there after an offseason with the Capitals. But right now, Travis Green does not have a clear number one, and he's more than okay with that. We're fortunate that we have two guys that we really have, you know, we're, we're going to have faith in both of them going in the net. And I think regardless of, of how a goalie is playing this season, you're going to have to play your 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 two-goalie rotation more than you have in the past with how many games there are. Most goalie duos tend to have a close relationship in the NHL. It's important to have that camaraderie and support, even though they are battling each other for playing time and literally just met a month ago. We've been in the weight room on the ice together, uh, getting to know each other. Uh, it's been awesome. We've clicked really well. and. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it's a little bit different without Marky. Obviously, he was a good friend of mine as well, but, um, you know, it's kind of the way things go. We've been able to do some work together and get to know each other, and um, I think it's going to work out really well. Um, you know, he has that work ethic that I think uh, is needed for, for a team to have success. The one guy who is vital to the goaltending success this year is goalie coach Ian Clark, considered to be one of the best at his job in hockey. And someone Holtby believes can get him back to the form that won him a Vezina and Stanley Cup just a few short years ago. It's uh, extremely interesting when you get to uh, you know, work with people at the top of their class like that that have been doing it for years. Um, you know, that's, that's fun, it's exciting um, to learn from that and, and put it into my game and try and um, keep getting better. You know, we talk about some things that we saw in the Vegas series that I could improve on. And, um, you know, I'd, I want to take a next, the next step for my, my career and my season this year too. So um, it was a good time to, to be working with Ian. 
If Holtby can return to form and Demko plays anything close to like he did in the playoffs last year, goaltending will be the least of the Canucks' worries this season. Very delayed Global Sports. It's a really Golf. long ride, a long, slow ride. In Hawaii. It's a tee shot. And Abbotsford's Nick Taylor is there. One Pebble Beach last year got an invitation to the Century Tournament of Champions. Nice putt from off the green at 18 would make this par. Six under 73 was tied for the lead at one point at minus six. Now he's tied for third. Uh, defending champion is Justin Thomas at the 14th. Keep going. Like that. Keep going. Just like Keep that. going. Stay right there. No, nope, wait. There. Okay, there. Uh, he's at seven under. Playing the 18th as we speak. And uh, Harris English. Nine. This is. Should I say he put a little English on the ball? I guess I could, because he did in a way. That's an eagle at nine. He's got the lead at eight under par. Mackenzie Hughes, uh, even par, so he's tied for 37th right now. There are 42 players in the field. Will Jared Goff play against the Seattle Seahawks in the wild card game this Saturday? He's coming off that thumb injury. He has been practicing this week, but the Rams aren't saying if he's going to start or if it'll be John Wolford. And they probably won't say anything until just before the game to keep Seattle off their game a little bit. But you know what? I don't think it matters who starts at quarterback. I think the Seahawks are going to win this game. I'm liking the Hawks, too. Thank you very much, Squire. You're quite welcome. All right, let's check in with Andrew for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And Thanks, Sophie. Growing outrage over the latest BC public official who headed to the U.S. over the holidays. The head of UBC School of Population and Public Health, Dr. Peter Berman, vacationed in Hawaii while the public was being urged to stay home during the pandemic. We hear from some recent grads of the program who say he should be fired. And the shocking discovery by a man who says he could have been killed had he not been self isolating this week. Those stories and more tonight at 11. Sophie, Chris. All right. Thanks, Ann. And when we come back, the TikTok singing sensation with a purpose. That's next. You might have heard it said that you can't really know where you're going unless you know where you've been. One Montreal family is trying to live by those words by keeping their cultural traditions alive. Those traditions are helping them help others. Global's Phil Carpenter has more. Carolyn Novalinga is doing her best to teach her daughters about their past. It's important to pass down the tradition. She's Inuk. When her daughter Shaina was around seven, Carolyn began teaching her how to throat sing. <laughs> On Shaina's birthday last summer, the pair did one song to mark the occasion. They recorded it and posted it to social media for fun. Then everything changed. It went viral. Surprised, they kept posting songs. They couldn't believe the number of views, shares and positive comments they got. Millions. Yes. You didn't know... <laughs> Millions of views, 
10 million. They are still doing throat singing videos. The family says they were surprised how popular their songs became. Shaina says that she wasn't sure how the public would react. I was really nervous in the beginning just because it, throat singing is very different, um, unique and unusual. Not all the reaction to their videos was positive. Just people making fun of it, but my mother taught me not to focus on that. She says they decided to keep producing the videos. People were asking for more. A lot of people said it helped them cope with their anxiety. In the throat singing, two people, traditionally women, sing in rhythmic patterns, usually standing and facing one another. According to China, historically it was done to pass the time, to compete. It's also a game. <laughs> the first person to stop loses. I lost this game. <laughs> Carolyn says many years ago the practice was almost lost. When the missionary arrived to our land, to our communities, uh, Inuit were told to stop throat singing. Now the tradition is growing again. She's discovering throat singers in places she didn't expect to. From Greenland, from Alaska, and from Nunavut and Nunavik. And to further the tradition, she and her mother have now recorded an album of throat songs to be released soon. Stay tuned. <laughs> and there's a silver lining. They've used their newfound fame to raise money to help indigenous homeless women. Phil Carpenter, Global News, Dorval. The beautiful red coat she was wearing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Her mom made it. Really? Yeah. Mm. Wow. Yeah, she's, cool. she's got a pretty cool follow. She's a pretty cool follow on Instagram if, if you yeah. check it out. And we can hear more of the throat singing because we didn't yeah. we hear a lot of it. Enough yeah. of it. Not enough. All right, uh, what is in store for us weather-wise, Christy? Well, we do have some rain, believe it or not, but it's not going to last long. Tomorrow morning, and then you shouldn't need your rain jacket in the afternoon. And I'm actually hoping for some breaks of blue sky right before sunset. The good news is it lasts through your Saturday, everyone. Sunday's a little iffy. Uh, still a couple days away, so you may want to tune back in on that one. But uh, we are still, at this point, expecting a chance of showers, but we may see some breaks of blue sky in there. That's, that's three days in a row of a little... Sunshine. Golden sunshine yeah. on there, and I don't know when the last time was we saw no. that. You Thanks. know what that means? Car yeah. wash time. Car wash time. <laughs> Actually, I got one today. But if you go to the car wash in the rain, there's no lineup. That's a very good, good point. point. You know what that means is we can get outside. <laughs> yeah, we get outside. That's right. Nature's car wash. Thanks for watching, everyone. Good night, all.